time for From the Bench with Ditch, Special Edition Bulldog Valley. A recap of last week's Highland Game, Valley Conference Recap, and a look ahead to this weekend's game. Welcome to Bulldog Valley. Week number eight of the IHSA season is a wrap. And the Highland Bulldogs continue their role after their week two setback. They have not tasted defeat since then. Hello, everyone. Denny Rittenhouse with you here. And uh, back in the saddle, Rodney Knackstad, who was on defense for a broadcast this past Friday. Mike Smargezzi filling in nicely for us, uh, Rodney. But uh, um, hope you're feeling better and uh, back at it this week. Uh, yes, I do feel much better. And uh, you and Mike sounded awesome. Uh, your knowledge uh, between the two of use of all the conferences and stuff, it, it's just fun to listen to. And you kept a game that was a blowout in the second half. You guys kept it interesting. Wanted to stick around and listen to what you guys had to say. So yeah, kudos it, to you guys. It, it was it was a fun evening with Mike, and uh, he, he was uh, happy to get back in the saddle, however briefly it was. But, uh, <laughs> um, uh, we did have a good time and kicking around. We'll get into this in, in a little bit on this show after we do a recap of uh, the Bulldog game, but uh, I enjoy kicking around the IHSA outlook with them. We each got a pick in there as, as to who we think Highland might land, and we might both have picked teams that don't actually even make it. That's how, how tight it is when you get down to the final six to eight teams in each class and so we'll, we'll dive into that in a little bit but Highland riding um, what an electrifying start to that game right uh, I've never seen it at the high school level but uh, I've seen it uh, once in the NFL that I remember with the the greatest show on turf days yes uh, but uh, Dylan Beetle ran that opening kick it was a squib kick up the middle but it took a great Highland bounce it was one of these kicks that hit it like the 40-yard line, and Beetle came running up and caught it at full speed. He caught it at about the 35, and before I could get a sentence complete, he was in the end zone. I mean, it was that fast. Yeah, you know, that is the disadvantage to the squib kick, because if it does bounce like that, with that running start, the guys on the special team, they don't have much of a chance to even make a tackle then. He's by them before they even have a chance to adjust. Well, that, that's the thing, because what what are you taught on kickoff teams? Stay in your lane. Exactly. Right, And you do that up to a point, and, and when you right. kind of read the play. They didn't have a chance to read that play. <laughs> Dylan was past at least seven or eight. Now, the kicker did actually have a chance, because he didn't run downfield. So uh, he surprised me when I looked up and... and uh, he, it's, he at the end he had a chance to tackle him, but a beetle blew right by him, and he wasn't going to let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is electrifying when the ball's in his hands, no matter whether it's a run, a pass, a kickoff, punt. Yeah. You know, he he truly is, and what a special season he's having for uh, Coach Warnicky. Uh, but Jerseyville, to their credit, they didn't. <laughs> they answered a. a <laughs> You know, tick for talk there. It, it was okay. Anything you can do, we can do better. And uh, uh, their kickoff guy, uh, return guy, runs it right back at us. And uh, we're, we're not 30 seconds into the game, and we're tied 7-7. Seven, seven. Yeah. And I'm glad I was listening for the whole game, your, your, the, the pregame and so on. And uh, when I heard that, when I heard Highland score, I thought, okay, this is going to be the blowout that we thought could happen. And then when they ran that back, I went right back to, well, maybe they're going to give us a little bit of a test, which 
obviously they ended up not. Yeah, they really didn't. Uh, because Beetle answered that kickoff with a 50-yard <laughs> return. It got Highland the ball at the Jerseyville 40-yard line, and I think that was the uh, drive where um, Hunter Fry had a 30-yard touchdown reception. And uh, uh, so then the route was on. You could see the, the air deflated from Jerseyville. They struggled all night long. As electrifying as the offense was, the defense was even better. Uh, no first downs in the first half. No, no first downs till the running clock got going in the in the second half. By our unofficial count, they might have been one that slipped in there that we missed. But Mike and I didn't recall any first downs. On, I don't think so. Yeah. And because uh, when they did get that one, I think it was Mike said, "I think that's their first first down." And I, and I was thinking in my own head, I, I think he's right. And you said yeah. the same thing. And uh, Highlands defense all year. I mean, all year, even the loss, uh, they did not play bad in that loss. Uh, that's going to be, I think, the key to how far we go, because if they can keep shutting down these other teams, we've got the offense to score. Yeah, we certainly do, and the defense stepped up. McCartney Crow, we, we've mentioned him quite a bit this season. He had a fine game, let him in tackles, and uh, had a sack, and, and uh, I may have had a fumble recovery, too. And uh, so, and then uh, Hunter Fry with an interception defensively uh, that uh, gave Highland um, uh, the ball in Jerseyville territory. So, so the defense just uh, stepping up big time, uh, took away any semblance of an offense that Jerseyville uh, wanted to do. Uh, they just simply didn't give them a chance to execute anything. And so it was a, a pretty impressive run through the Valley Conference this year for for the Bulldogs. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. When you look at, at uh, the other teams, that we mentioned it early on in the season how uh, all four of the playoff teams from a year ago uh, was hit pretty heavily by, by graduation. And so we really didn't know who was going to step up, uh, what team was going to do the backfill. And uh, obviously we got our answer um, uh, with the way Highland mowed through the, the conference competition. Um, really not challenged um, uh, at all. They weren't. And uh, uh, you and I talked a little bit about this before we went on air. And um, sometimes it's good to be tested a little bit before you get to the playoffs. Uh, but then again, if we're that dominant, maybe this is just a great sign for us. Yeah, it could be. But uh, I'll tell you what, we've got a, a, a very recent lesson learned. <laughs> yes. Um, right? When, when you look back, and I guarantee there's at least one guy on that sideline named Jimmy Warnicky that isn't going to forget what happened a year ago. Yeah, when um, Muscoota when, came in and did their uh, uh, topsy-turvy on us. Yeah, yeah. After 50, what, 55-0 whitewashing and week six or seven, uh, they come up here in a, a snakebite highland in round two. And so uh, you can bet that that's going to be a, a constant message and an area of focus was uh, we're not looking past anybody. And so, well, and I talked to Jimmy about that a little bit, that game in particular, and he said the biggest thing was is uh, Muscoota had a, a couple of big wide receivers, big tall, and just uh, finally realized – how to utilize them, and it took them that long to figure out. Yeah. Hey, we got we got some weapons here. How do we use them? And they figured and it out. And that opened up the running game, which um, exactly it, uh, became a nightmare. Yes. So, <laughs> um, so, so we still don't know um, where Highland's going, and we'll jump into that. I want to get into some of the numbers from the other night. Um, 
passing Blake Jelly only threw the ball six times, <laughs> only completed five passes. You think a oh, very light night in a, in the passing game for Jelly. Four touchdowns. He had touchdown passes of 82, 36, and 9. So four of his five completions, 80% of his completions, <laughs> went for touchdowns, giving him 17 on the year against three interceptions, which I believe all came in the first two. Maybe I, um, Matt Toon might have gotten one. I know they came in the first three, three games. Three games for season. sure. He yes. was a, a, he's been flawless in conference play. And so... Uh, just an outstanding uh, effort from Jelly all season long, and uh, uh, those numbers don't lie. Rushing, uh, Gavin or uh, uh, Hunter Fry seven for eighty-four, Jelly six for thirty-one, and uh, Tyson Rakers gets in the books five for sixty-two. There are a few others as they mixed everything up throughout the game, but but uh, the running game um, complemented the pass and uh, the, the the drives. I was really surprised how. Little resistance there was from Jerseyville defensively, and maybe it's just having the, the wind taken out of them by that explosiveness because uh, you get the opening kickoff. Um, the touchdown pass of 82, uh, let's talk about uh, um, who, who we'll call our player of the game for the week, Dylan Beadle. Uh, on, the, on the heels of those two plays alone, the kickoff return, uh, electrifying, setting the, the the momentum and the, the hype and the hey we got this feeling right off the uh, off the bat they answer with it but they come right back Beetle runs the next kickoff 50 yards and sets us up in the in the Jerseyville territory and then a couple series later he gets a pass out in the flat Rodney um, uh, you know we're at the 18 yard line just a quick quick hitter out in the flat we've seen it a number of times this year and he makes that first guy miss. And he did it there, and it was just off to the races. And there's there's nothing funner to watch than Dylan Beetle in the open field. I, I agree. And uh, listening to the game, even on that second kickoff when you guys were calling it, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we might have three straight touchdowns yeah. on kickoffs. Uh, but he is so electrifying, and, and you're right. Uh, his ability to make that first guy miss is the key to the his success out there because uh, and we've seen a couple other guys do it and uh, how they can just be going and it looks like they're going to get hit and they'll either do a spin or just a quick cut kind of like Gail Sayers used to do yeah and uh, well that's Hunter Fry he he just refuses to go down yeah and uh, he'll, he'll do that spin move and and, and just bounce off people um, Tyson Rakers another yes um, he he. He kind of wants to run through them uh, more than than dance around them, but uh, uh, so so he's got a little Earl Campbell mentality in him. Yeah, he does. So three different styles uh, they can throw at you and then uh, compliment you with other guys too. Phoenix oh yeah. Lewis, uh, haven't haven't seen Jack Nimmo in, in recent weeks, but but uh, no, but he's been there on the defense. Yeah, and so uh, um, <coughs> so yeah, it, it, it's been. Uh, it's been a, a, a lot of fun. Receiving-wise, Beetle, uh, I'm sorry, Fry, let me read my own chicken scratch here. Uh, <laughs> uh, Beetle had the 82-yarder, Fry a 30-yard uh, touchdown catch. Reinacker and Rinder also get in on the action, and so um, just spreading the ball around. We've, we've kicked that around is how impressive it is with Jelly. He, he can do the checkoff. He can he can hit the primary target. He can hit the secondary target. And uh, 
just making all the right decisions. And, um, and part of that is, too, the line's giving him time to check down, and that's that's key to everything. Yeah, Mike and I talked about that. Uh, he was at the Triad game okay, and uh, watched that, and he was impressed with how the line of scrimmage was controlled on both sides of the ball, and uh, uh, that was something we talked about the other night and said, you know, if it... If Highland controls the line of scrimmage like they did a week ago, Jerseyville has no chance. They did. <laughs> and he, and they he nailed did. it, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've certain. been impressed with our line all year, and it's uh, we've given the player of the game to one lineman, you know, a uh, packet. Um, but th- all of them have been doing yeah. their job tremendously. And uh, yeah. I say kudos to them because that's those guys in the trenches – they just don't ever get the credit, and that goes even in the pros. It's very few of them to get the credit they deserve, and yet they're the ones that you know end up with uh, bad knees and everything else later on. <laughs> yeah, they do. And uh, uh, what's really impressive with the line, this especially on the offensive side, is is um, this is like first taste of varsity. They lost all five starters and on the on the line from a year ago, and so to throw five new guys in there at the varsity level and get the results that that they're getting this year. Uh, it's been really impressive. You know, and the thing is, uh, they pretty much have done that all except for the one game. And let's face it, that was a really good team, Muhammad. And, but for those guys to come together so quickly, I mean, we, we've seen the improvement, but they gelled pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. And, and on both sides of the ball, like yes. I said. They, yes, yes. They have stuffed the run. The run game has not not really hurt Highland, even at Muhammad. They they weren't burned by the run so much. Uh, the passing game uh, kind of picked them apart a little bit up there. But uh, uh, you know that's a, that's a team we could run into in the postseason, and that would be a fun rematch. I, I, think. I think so. I don't think they um, would get the same team that showed up in week week two. I'm not I, saying I we we can beat them, but but it would be a a very intriguing matchup should should that occur. Well, and, and I know we're not talking on this right now, but the one thing, if I remember from listening, there weren't a lot of flags on Highland this yeah, week. Yeah, they, so, they did curtail that. Um, of course, the running clock in the second half helped them in that regard. <laughs> well, it, it was just nice to hear that there weren't so many. Yeah, and, and you and Mike had talked about it. Uh, I think we had one, and you guys said, well, is this going to be another 120-yard drive right. covering 60 or something like that? Yeah, you and, know? It, and it wasn't. Yeah, that, But, that, you know, it's funny because on the opening kickoff, that was my immediate reaction after I saw Beetle cross the end zone. I, I'm, I'm scanning the field, and I see that judge sitting, standing at midfield with his arms up. And I was like, all right, uh, <laughs> the official is uh, in midfield with the arms raised. I think we're clean. So, uh, sorry to change subject no, on fine, you there. Man. That's but. fine. Uh, just really on the season to, to kind of uh, set the stage for you heading into this uh, Friday night's game. The Jelly, 83 of 121 for 1,391 yards, 17 touchdowns against three, three interceptions. Uh, pretty impressive numbers on the uh, uh, sophomore quarterback for Highland. I, personally, I think he should be in uh, the running for the uh, the M- MVP of the MVC. I think they have that. I know they have first team, but you yeah. know he's going to make that. Yeah. Um, but he has just been outstanding um, in his decision-making for such a young player thrown into the quarterback position. 
Hunter Fry sitting at uh, 74 carries for 548 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. Uh, mix in 15 receptions for 296, and he's knocking on the door of a 1,000 yards total scrimmage. Um, uh, a, a hefty game here in week nine. Um, uh, might get him there, uh, but nine touchdowns for Hunter. Um, Beetle um, uh, with uh, 30 receptions for 527 yards. He's got a couple hundred on the ground as well, and so a uh, pretty good one-two punch when you can um, uh, go to either one of those guys in any given situation. I totally agree with you there. Uh, who else? Uh, Tyson Rakers, 43 carries for 364 yards. So he, he's complimenting the, the one-two punch quite quite uh, nicely uh, as well. Jelly also at 94 for 414 on the ground. And so uh, who do you guard? Who do you defend? And that's been, been the question opponents haven't been able to figure out for the most part um, this season. So this week we go up to Decatur to take on a Decatur St. Teresa team and, and at the beginning of the year it looked like, okay, this is okay I suppose. That's a powerhouse uh, small school. Um, they're coming off an undefeated season where they, they ran the table last year in 2A uh, going 14-0. and 0. Uh, but you still don't know a whole lot about them, and uh, what we did find out is they lost a whole lot of talent apparently because they're sitting at one and seven right now, Rodney heading in, and, and you, you you almost I don't want to say you regret putting that game on the schedule, but but you you know at this point if you knew then what you know now it would be I, a different I think, opponent. I think you would want a different opponent there, and I think Jimmy would agree with you. Um, he always likes a tough opponent heading into the playoffs to get the guys ready for the, you know, let's face it, it doesn't matter what age you are, pressure situations, it's tougher. It, it, you tend to want to do more than you should instead of just letting your natural talent yeah, there's, do the there's job. There's just a different feel to it. Yes. Uh, right? You know, it's, it's uh, um, there's something different about, oh, if we lose, we're done. Uh, you always had that. Uh, well, we we still got the playoffs coming up, even tonight. You know, it's like okay, my last game as a senior. Well, it's not because you you know, so it's a different feeling. Yes. But you get into that that postseason, that first week, and uh, you're right. That can that can um, uh, mess with the mind a little bit, uh, in a positive way or in a negative way. It's right. just different, and so so you got to learn how to channel those emotions and, and be able to take care of it. But uh, going up Friday, he'll, he'll have the team prepared and, oh, and yeah. not looking past anything. And especially when you're talking about a, a program like Decatur St. Teresa, um, you, you know they'll compete um, regardless of the record. They, got to, they have to be prepared for, for the team to compete because um, of, of who they are and what they've experienced over the years. And, yeah, and this is a, a, a fluke season for Decatur St. Teresa, yeah. um, right? They're not a team that does uh, what they did last year once every 10 or 15. What they're doing this year is what they do once every 10 or 15, is, is uh, just have a down, uh, down and out season like they're having. But that doesn't mean they won't compete. And when you're going against those uh, severe underdogs, they're just looking for that one little crack that, that uh, maybe they can pry the door open a little more and, and uh, you know, expose something. So. Well, it's, it's like you mentioned early in the season when you and I were going over the schedule and talking. Um, we were talking about how tough that last game could be 
or probably would be. And, and like you said, it's just totally unexpected that it turned out the way it did. Um, but you're right, Jimmy and the, the Highland, uh, all the coaching staff, they're not going to let Highland uh, look pat, let their players right. look past this team. Right, and and, uh, and talking to, to Mike, he's 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 talking, he's talked to a few people up north that have seen Decatur and said they're they're uh, they do have some talent at the skill positions, um, but their line has been their their Achilles heel, and so yeah, that kind of bodes well for for what Highland uh, is going <laughs> to throw at them. Um, so you think we'll control that game? I don't want to say a running clock, but but um, Decatur has given some up. They did last week against Modern Day. Uh, right down the road here, playing against Modern Day, so so they have given up the the running clock a, a, a few times this year. Uh, you think Highland might get there, but uh, you never know until you you take the field and lace them up and uh, uh, and go at it. Um, so so then after the after Friday night's game, um, IHSA announces the the playoff brackets on Saturday evening. Um, it's always a real exciting uh, moment for for me personally as a huge high school fan. I can't wait to get out to the uh, IHSA site and just break everything down and, and map out uh, not only the Highlands road to success but all the area schools that that make it. And with that in mind, there's a few key games going on this weekend. Uh, Triad uh, trying to position for some some uh, seating advantage. They're in a tough game against Collinsville. Both schools come in at th- uh, five and three, and um, that game's at Collinsville. The Knights coming off a win last week against CM, much welcome opponent after the thrashing they took to Highland two weeks ago. But uh, that won't be an easy game for them on the road. You know, and, and man, the difference in your seating between six and three and five and four is huge as to who you end up playing. Yeah, I mean, if Highland. And try it end up both in 5A. We could see that dreaded Valley Conference matchup in Week One, where um, our opponent could be um, somebody like Triad or Waterloo sitting there in 4A, um, and they they've got a battle with uh, Freeburg, who is five and three. So Waterloo needs to win to get in, and uh, uh, Freeburg fighting for the seating position, and so. Uh, both those schools are, are the only other Valley schools that have a chance to, to taste the postseason um, this year. So, so they each got their work cut out for them in, in Week 9. Modern Day takes on Mount Zion, another potential opponent at some point for, for Highland. Mount Zion out of the Apollo. Uh, Modern Day has to travel up there. Both those teams at 6-2. and two. So I'm, I'm sure we'll uh, be keeping an eye out on that one to kind of see... Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that'll be a first-round opponent. Uh, should Mount Zion win, it definitely won't be. Uh, but then it's a potential matchup uh, come round two or two or three. Uh, some monster games, Rodney, and uh, this is where I geek out and uh, <laughs> uh, stuff. But there are some monster games, and some of these schools are, are, have been opponents. Um, when you look at Muhammad, uh, right, our week two opponent, they're at seven and one. Their only loss came to Morris, who is eight and zero. Oh. And they take on an 8-0 Quincy team tonight or Friday night um, uh, in uh, at Quincy, and so Muhammad uh, desperately wanting to, to finish the season at eight and one to, to get that guaranteed, almost guaranteed home home game. I'm I'm sure it's guaranteed uh, home game at eight eight and one seven and two. You're not always guaranteed that 
home game. So yeah, a lot. Don't they take in opponent strength and all that somehow in the calculation? Yeah, and, and, uh, yeah. The opponent wins. Um, so for Highland too, that ninth or eighth win would be important just because of right how the conference turned out. Usually our conference is pretty. Yeah, and Highland, three Highland is a little bit low on the the points um, uh, in that regard. So so that uh, could mean a tougher first round opponent mm -hmm. um, sitting um, sitting there. Now Mike and I were projecting. We were having some fun the other night on the broadcast because. There's a running clock in the second half. He went with LaSalle, Peru, a, a school from up north a little bit and uh, in a very tough conference. I think they're, they're in there with, uh, it might be Morris, um, but uh, uh, they're, they're sitting uh, at four and four. Um, and they played Maple Park Caneland, who's uh, uh, an opponent that's five and three and already qualified for, for the postseason. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, they're no guarantee. And I, I went with Marion. Um, who also is sitting at four and four and has a, a tough opponent, I, I think in Carbondale maybe? I can't recall exactly, uh, but they've got a tough opponent as well. Uh, let me just look at it real quick here for Marion, Marion, Marion. They're looking at <laughs> 6A or something like that. Where are they at? Where are they at? Uh, yeah, don't jump out at me now. They're they're playing. Uh, oh, they got to win because they're playing Mattoon. So um, I got a better shot at being right than, than Mike does. Because <laughs> LaSalle is a. Uh, you guys playing, got a quarter riding on this game? <laughs> yeah, we do. LaSalle sitting at four and four. They're playing uh, hosting Maple Park Caneland, so they do get the home game. Uh, but uh, Marion on the, on the road against Mattoon. Um, who's still at uh, one win? They're, they're they're at one and seven. So you'd think Marion uh, comes out of there with the win. Uh, one of the shockers in in statewide play last week was Sacred Heart Griffin taking a defeat at the hands of uh, Decatur Saint Teresa. Now that's a, not Saint Teresa, Decatur MacArthur. Um, that was a, a shock to, to most people, and they handled them pretty good, 45-27. Wow. Against an undefeated Sacred Heart Griffin team that was sitting atop of the 6A uh, or 5A projections for, for most of the season. And uh, uh, they get snake bit, and perhaps looking ahead to this week's game because they take on Rochester, and we all know. How good they are. <laughs> yeah, that's a monster game every year. Now, the interesting thing in that matchup, and Rochester is still undefeated. They're sitting at 8-0. Uh, Coach Leonard up there typically would go against his dad at Sacred Heart Griffin, but he stepped down after their championship season a year ago. So he's coaching against a Sacred Heart Griffin team that does not have his dad on the sidelines. And so uh, for the first time in his career. Um, so, so Thanksgiving dinner might be a little more cordial this year <laughs> in the uh, Leonard household. As, uh, uh, they, they don't have to... Uh, uh, Try to let bygones be bygones. <laughs> right. <laughs> or in some cases, uh, we play you tomorrow. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so it's, uh, but always a, a monster matchup to end the season between those two, and uh, this year no exception. But a little blemish by Sacred Heart. That's our second loss. They also lost to um, Quincy, I think it was. Uh, early in the season, a, a very good Quincy team that, or no, normal, normal community at 8-0. Uh, uh, so, so no slouch they lost to there. Quincy is 8-0 themselves, and uh, 
um, that's a, that's who we mentioned. Muhammad's playing against. So, Correct. So the, those uh, monster matchups. Another one, a, a team Highland has seen in the past. Um, if you go back to the Greenwald years, you remember Morris. Um, but they're eight zero taking on Sycamore, who's also eight zero, and so that's a big matchup up north. And then Morton, uh, who we saw, <laughs> yeah. we saw what two years ago? Yeah. Um, in uh, a they're, cold, they're, rainy night that they just ran over us. Yeah, they ran over a lot of people that year, and apparently are again this year. But they've got a seven and one Washington team coming um, uh, to the to Morton, um, and so, we played them. Yeah, you yeah. Know, we, the, we, the, the last two years, last two years, we we played Washington. Um, so so those are those are some matchups that uh, will have some playoff implications uh, across the state, and uh, just a fun night of football coming up here in in the IHSA. This week, Highland at Decatur St. Teresa. Um, Roddy, um, you gonna? I know it's a might be a challenge to make it up there, but I'm uh, planning on making the track. The, the, the track, uh, yeah. Okay, so so we'll see you up in uh, Decatur. If you don't make the trip, tune us in as always on Bulldog Radio and uh, or. Uh, catch the, uh, uh, this um, on my podcast, From the Bench with Dent. You can hear uh, Bulldog Valley uh, pull up some past episodes if you want to reminisce on the season past. Um, been a lot of fun this year, and uh, our next episode will be previewing playoff football. It doesn't get any better than that in, in uh, high school level in, in Illinois. And so uh, for Rodney Knackstead, I'm Denny Rittenhouse. Uh, look forward to uh, talking to you Friday night and again next week on uh, Bulldog Valley. Thanks for joining Bulldog Valley. I'm your host, Denny Rittenhouse, along with Rodney Knackstead. Again next week as we preview postseason action in IHSA. Goodbye.